This is Chapter Three of Happy Homes and the Hearts That Make Them by Samuel Smiles. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three Influence of Character the prosperity of a country depends not on the abundance of its revenues nor on the strength of its fortifications nor on the beauty of its public buildings but it consists in the number of its cultivated citizens in its men of education enlightenment and character here are to be found its true interest its chief strength its real power martin luther character is one of the greatest motive powers in the world in its noblest embodiments it exemplifies human nature in its highest forms for it exhibits man at his best men of genuine excellence in every station of life men of industry of integrity of high principle of sterling honesty of purpose command the spontaneous homage of mankind it is natural to believe in such men to have confidence in them and to imitate them all that is good in the world is upheld by them and without their presence in it the world would not be worth living in although genius always commands admiration character most secures respect the former is more the product of brain power the latter of heart power and in the long run it is the heart that rules in life men of genius stand to society in the relation of its intellect as men of character of its conscience and while the former are admired the latter are followed great men are always exceptional men and greatness itself is but comparative indeed the range of most men in life is so limited that very few have the opportunity of being great but each man can act his part honestly and honorably and to the best of his ability he can use his gifts and not abuse them he can strive to make the best of life he can be true just honest and faithful even in small things in a word he can do his duty in that sphere in which providence has placed him commonplace though it may appear this doing of one's duty embodies the highest ideal of life and character there may be nothing heroic about it but the common lot of men is not heroic and though the abiding sense of duty upholds man in his brightest attitudes it also equally sustains him in the transaction of the ordinary affairs of everyday existence man's life is centered in the sphere of common duties the most influential of all the virtues are those which are the most in request for daily use they wear the best and last the longest superfine virtues which are above the standard of common men may only be sources of temptation and danger burke has truly said that the human system which rests for its basis on the heroic virtues is sure to have a superstructure of weakness or of profligacy when dr abbott drew the character of his deceased friend thomas sackville he did not dwell upon his merits as a statesman or his genius as a poet but upon his virtues as a man in relation to the ordinary duties of life how many rare things were in him said he who more loving unto his wife who more kind unto his children who more fast unto his friend who more moderate unto his enemy who more true to his word indeed we can always better understand and appreciate a man's real character by the manner in which he conducts himself towards those who are the most nearly related to him and by his transaction of the seemingly commonplace details of daily duty than by his public exhibition of himself as an author an orator or a statesman 
at the same time while duty for the most part applies to the conduct of affairs in common life by the average of common men it is also a sustaining power to men of the very highest standard of character they may not have either money or property or learning or power and yet they may be strong in heart and rich in spirit honest truthful dutiful and whoever strives to do his duty faithfully in fulfilling the purpose for which he was created and building up in himself the principles of a manly character there are many persons of whom it may be said that they have no other possession in the world but their character and yet they stand as firmly upon it as any crowned king intellectual culture has no necessary relation to purity or excellence of character in the new testament appeals are constantly made to the heart of man and to the spirit we are of while allusions to the intellect are of very rare occurrence a handful of good life says george herbert is worth a bushel of learning not that learning is to be despised but that it must be allied to goodness intellectual capacity is sometimes found associated with the meanest moral character with abject servility to those in high places and arrogance to those of low estate a man may be accomplished in art literature and science and yet in honesty virtue truthfulness and the spirit of duty be entitled to take rank after many a poor and illiterate peasant you insist wrote perthes to a friend on respect for learned men i say ah men but at the same time don't forget that largeness of mind depth of thought appreciation of the lofty experience of the world delicacy of manner tact and energy in action love of truth honesty and amiability that all these may be wanting in a man who may yet be very learned when some one in sir walter scott's hearing made a remark as to the value of literary talents and accomplishments as if they were above all things to be esteemed and honored he observed god help us what a poor world this would be if that were the true doctrine i have read books enough and observed and conversed with enough of eminent and splendidly cultured minds too in my time but i assure you i have heard higher sentiments from the lips of poor uneducated men and women when exerting the spirit of severe yet gentle heroism under difficulties and afflictions or speaking their simple thoughts as to circumstances in the lot of friends and neighbors than i ever yet met without of the bible we shall never learn to feel and respect our real calling and destiny unless we have taught ourselves to consider everything as moonshine compared with the education of the heart still less has wealth any necessary connection with elevation of character on the contrary it is much more frequently the cause of its corruption and degradation wealth and corruption luxury and vice have very close affinities to each other wealth in the hands of men of weak purpose of deficient self-control or of ill-regulated passions is only a temptation and a snare the source it may be of infinite mischief to themselves and often to others on the contrary a condition of comparative poverty is compatible with character in its highest form a man may possess only his industry his frugality his integrity and yet stand high in the rank of true manhood the advice which burns father gave him was the best he bade me act a manly part though i had ne'er a farthing for without an honest manly heart no man was worth regarding 
one of the purest and noblest characters the writer ever knew was a laboring man in a northern county never amounting to more than ten shillings a week though possessed of only the rudiments of common education obtained at an ordinary parish school he was a man full of wisdom and thoughtfulness his library consisted of the bible flavel and boston books which excepting the first probably few readers have ever heard of this good man might have sat for the portrait of wordsworth's well-known wanderer when he had lived his modest life of work and worship and finally went to his rest he left behind him a reputation for practical wisdom for genuine goodness and for helpfulness in every good work which greater and richer men might have envied when luther died he left behind him as set forth in his will no ready money no treasure of coin of any description he was so poor at one part of his life that he was under the necessity of earning his bread by turning gardening and clock-making yet at the very time when he was thus working with his hands he was moulding the character of his country and he was morally stronger and vastly more honoured and followed than all the princes of germany character is property it is the noblest of possessions it is an estate in the general goodwill and respect of men and they who invest in it though they may not become rich in this world's goods will find their reward in esteem and reputation fairly and honorably won and it is right that in life good qualities should tell that industry virtue and goodness should rank the highest and that the really best men should be foremost simple honesty of purpose in a man goes a long way in life if founded on a just estimate of himself and a steady obedience to the rule he knows and feels to be right it holds a man straight gives him strength and sustenance and forms a mainspring of vigorous action no man once said sir benjamin rudyard is bound to be rich or great no nor to be wise but every man is bound to be honest but the purpose besides being honest must be inspired by sound principles and pursued with undeviating adherence to truth integrity and uprightness without principles a man is like a ship without rudder or compass left to drift hither and thither with every wind that blows he is as one without law or rule or order or government moral principles says hume are social and universal they form in a manner the party of humankind against vice and disorder its common enemy epictetus once received a visit from a certain magnificent orator going to rome on a lawsuit who wished to learn from the stoic something of his philosophy epictetus received his visitor coolly not believing in his sincerity you will only criticize my style said he not really wishing to learn principles well but said the orator if i attend to that sort of thing i shall be a mere pauper like you with no plate nor equipage nor land i don't want such things replied epictetus and besides you are poorer than i am after all patron or no patron what care i you do care i am richer than you i don't care what caesar thinks of me i flatter no one this is what i have instead of your gold and silver plate you have silver vessels but earthenware reasons principles appetites my mind to me a kingdom is and it furnishes me with abundant and happy occupation in lieu of your restless idleness all your possessions seem small to you mine seem great to me your desire is insatiate mine is satisfied 
talent is by no means rare in the world nor is even genius but can talent be trusted can the genius not unless based on truthfulness on veracity it is this quality more than any other that commands the esteem and respect and secures the confidence of others truthfulness is at the foundation of all personal excellence it exhibits itself in conduct it is rectitude truth in action and shines through every word and deed it means reliableness and convinces other men that it can be trusted and a man is already of consequence in the world when it is known that he can be relied on that when he says he knows a thing he does know it that when he says he will do a thing he can do and does do it thus reliableness becomes a passport to the general esteem and confidence of mankind in the affairs of life or of business it is not intellect that tells so much as character not brain so much as heart not genius so much as self-control patience and discipline regulated by judgment hence there is no better provision for the uses of either private or public life than a fair share of ordinary good sense guided by rectitude good sense disciplined by experience and inspired by goodness issues in practical wisdom indeed goodness in a measure implies wisdom the highest wisdom the union of the worldly with the spiritual the correspondences of wisdom and goodness says sir henry taylor are manifold and that they will accompany each other is to be inferred not only because men's wisdom makes them good but because their goodness makes them wise it is because of this controlling power of character in life that we often see men exercise an amount of influence apparently out of all proportion to their intellectual endowments they appear to act by means of some latent power some reserved force which acts secretly by mere presence as burke said of a powerful nobleman of the last century his virtues were his means the secret is that the aims of such men are felt to be pure and noble and they act upon others with a constraining power though the reputation of men of genuine character may be of slow growth their true qualities cannot be wholly concealed they may be misrepresented by some and misunderstood by others misfortune and adversity may for a time overtake them but with patience and endurance they will eventually inspire the respect and command the confidence which they really deserve it has been said of sheridan that had he possessed reliableness of character he might have ruled the world whereas for want of it his splendid gifts were comparatively useless he dazzled and amused but was without weight or influence in life or politics even the poor pantomimist of drury lane felt himself his superior thus when delpini one day pressed the manager for arrears of salary sheridan sharply reproved him telling him he had forgotten his station no indeed monsieur sheridan i have not retorted delpini i know the difference between us perfectly well in birth parentage and education you are superior to me but in life character and behavior i am superior to you unlike sheridan burke his countryman was a great man of character he was thirty-five before he gained a seat in parliament yet he found time to carve his name deep in the political history of england he was a man of great gifts and of transcendent force of character yet he had a weakness which proved a serious defect it was his want of temper his genius was sacrificed to his irritability and without this apparently minor gift of temper the most splendid endowments may be comparatively valueless to their possessor 
character is formed by a variety of minute circumstances more or less under the regulation and control of the individual not a day passes without its discipline whether for good or for evil there is no act however trivial but has its train of consequences as there is no hair so small but casts its shadow it was a wise saying of mrs schimmelpamink's mother never to give way to what is little or by that little however you may despise it you will be practically governed every action every thought every feeling contributes to the education of the temper the habits and understanding and exercises an inevitable influence upon all the acts of our future life thus character is undergoing constant change for better or for worse either being elevated on the one hand or degraded on the other there is no fault nor folly of my life says mr ruskin that does not rise up against me and take away my joy and shorten my power of possession of sight of understanding and every past effort of my life every gleam of rightness or good in it is with me now to help me in my grasp of this art and its vision says Luz in his life of goethe instead of saying that man is the creature of circumstance it would be nearer the mark to say that man is the architect of circumstance it is character which builds an existence out of circumstance our strength is measured by our plastic power from the same materials one man builds palaces another hovels one warehouses another villas bricks and mortar are mortar and bricks until the architect can make them something else thus it is that in the same family in the same circumstances one man rears a stately edifice while his brother vacillating and incompetent lives forever amid ruins the block of granite which was an obstacle on the pathway of the weak becomes a stepping-stone on the pathway of the strong the mechanical law that action and reaction are equal holds true also in morals good deeds act and react on the doers of them and so do evil not only so they produce like effects by the influence of example on those who are the subjects of them but man is not the creature so much as he is the creator of circumstances and by the exercise of his free will he can direct his actions so that they shall be productive of good rather than evil nothing can work me damage but myself said st bernard the harm that i sustain i carry about with me and i am never a real sufferer but by my own fault the best sort of character however cannot be formed without effort there needs the exercise of constant self-watchfulness self-discipline and self-control there may be much faltering stumbling and temporary defeat difficulties and temptations manifold to be battled with and overcome but if the spirit be strong and the heart be upright no one need despair of ultimate success the very effort to advance to arrive at a higher standard of character than we have reached is inspiring and invigorating and even though we may fall short of it we cannot fail to be improved by every honest effort made in an upward direction and with the light of great examples to guide us representatives of humanity in its best forms every one is not only justified but bound in duty to aim at reaching the highest standard of character not to become the richest in means but in spirit not the greatest in worldly positions but in true honor not the most intellectual but the most virtuous not the most powerful and influential but the most truthful upright and honest character exhibits itself in conduct guided and inspired by principle integrity and practical wisdom 
in its highest form it is the individual will acting energetically under the influence of religion morality and reason it chooses its way considerately and pursues it steadfastly esteeming duty above reputation and the approval of conscience more than the world's praise while respecting the personality of others it preserves its own individuality and independence and has the courage to be morally honest though it may be unpopular trusting tranquilly to time and experience for recognition although the force of example will always exercise great influence upon the formation of character the self-originating and sustaining force of one's own spirit must be the mainstay this alone can hold up the life and give individual independence and energy unless man can erect himself above himself said daniel a poet of the elizabethan era how poor a thing is man without a certain degree of practical efficient force compounded of will which is the root and wisdom which is the stem of character life will be indefinite and purposeless like a body of stagnant water instead of a running stream doing useful work and keeping the machinery of a district in motion when the elements of character are brought into action by determinate will and influenced by high purpose man enters upon and courageously perseveres in the path of duty at whatever cost of worldly interest he may be said to approach the summit of his being he then exhibits character in its most intrepid form and embodies the highest issue of manliness the acts of such a man become repeated in the life and action of others his very words live and become actions thus every word of luther's rang through germany like a trumpet as richter said of him his words were half battles and thus luther's life became transfused into the life of his country and still lives in the character of modern germany it was truly said of sheridan who with all his improvidence was generous and never gave pain that his wit in the combat as gentle as bright never carried a heart-stain away on its blade such also was the character of fox who commanded the affection and service of others by his uniform heartiness and sympathy he was a man who could always be most easily touched on the side of his honor thus the story is told of a tradesman calling upon him one day for the payment of a promissory note which he presented fox was engaged at the time counting out gold the tradesman asked to be paid from the money before him no said fox i owe this money to sheridan it is a debt of honor if any accident happened to me he would have nothing to show then said the tradesman i change my debt into one of honor and he tore up the note fox was conquered by the act he thanked the man for his confidence and paid him saying then sheridan must wait yours is the debt of older standing the man of character is conscientious he puts his conscience into his work into his words into his every action when cromwell asked the parliament for soldiers in lieu of the decayed serving men who filled the commonwealth's army he required that they should be men who made some conscience of what they did and such were the men of which his celebrated regiment of ironsides was composed the man of character is also reverential the possession of this quality marks the noblest and highest type of manhood and womanhood reverence for things consecrated by the homage of generations for high objects pure thoughts and noble aims for the great men of former times and the high-minded workers among our contemporaries 
reverence is alike indispensable to the happiness of individuals of families and of nations without it there can be no trust no faith no confidence either in man or god neither social peace nor social progress for reverence is but another word for religion which binds men to each other and all to god energy of will self-originating force is the soul of every great character where it is there is life where it is not there is faintness helplessness and despondency the strong man and the waterfall says the proverb channel their own path the energetic leader of noble spirit not only wins away for himself but carries others with him his every act has a personal significance indicating vigor independence and self-reliance and unconsciously commands respect admiration and homage such intrepidity of character was possessed by luther cromwell washington pitt wellington and all great leaders of men i am convinced said mr gladstone in describing the qualities of the late lord palmerston in the house of commons shortly after his death i am convinced that it was the force of will a sense of duty and a determination not to give in that enabled him to make himself a model for all of us who yet remain and follow him with feeble and unequal steps in the discharge of our duties it was that force of will that in point of fact did not so much struggle against the infirmities of old age but actually repelled them and kept them at a distance and one other quality there is at least that may be noticed without the smallest risk of stirring in any breast a painful emotion it is this that lord palmerston had a nature incapable of enduring anger or any sentiment of wrath this freedom from wrathful sentiment was not the result of painful effort but the spontaneous fruit of the mind it was a noble gift of his original nature a gift which beyond all others it was delightful to observe delightful also to remember in connection with him who has left us and with him we have no longer to do except in endeavoring to profit by his example wherever it can lead us in the path of duty and of right and of bestowing on him those tributes of admiration and affection which he deserves at our hands the great leader attracts to himself men of kindred character drawing them towards him as the lodestone draws iron thus sir john moore early distinguished the three brothers napier from the crowd of officers by whom he was surrounded and they on their part repaid him by their passionate admiration they were captivated by his courtesy his bravery and his lofty disinterestedness and he became the model whom they resolved to imitate and if possible to emulate moore's influence says the biographer of sir william napier had a signal effect in forming and maturing their characters and it is no small glory to have been the hero of those three men while his early discovery of their mental and moral qualities is a proof of moore's own penetration and judgment of character there is a contagiousness in every example of energetic conduct the brave man is an inspiration to the weak and compels them as it were to follow him thus napier relates that at the combat of vera when the spanish centre was broken and in flight a young officer named havelock sprang forward and waving his hat called upon the spaniards within sight to follow him putting spurs to his horse he leapt the abatis which protected the french front and went headlong against them the spaniards were electrified in a moment they dashed after him cheering for el chico blanco the fair boy and with one shock they broke through the french and sent them flying downhill 
and so it is in ordinary life the good and the great draw others after them they lighten and lift up all who are within reach of their influence they are so many living centres of beneficent activity let a man of energetic and upright character be appointed to a position of trust and authority and all who serve under him become as it were conscious of an increase of power when chatham was appointed minister his personal influence was at once felt through all the ramifications of office every sailor who served under nelson and knew he was in command shared the inspiration of the hero when washington consented to act as commander-in-chief it was felt as if the strength of the american forces had been more than doubled many years later in seventeen ninety eight when washington grown old had withdrawn from public life and was living in retirement at mount vernon and when it seemed probable that france would declare war against the united states president adams wrote to him saying we must have your name if you will permit us to use it there will be more efficacy in it than in many an army such was the esteem in which the great president's noble character and eminent abilities were held by his countrymen when the dissolution of the union at one time seemed imminent and washington wished to retire into private life jefferson wrote to him urging his continuance in office the confidence of the whole union he said centers in you your being at the helm will be more than an answer to every argument which can be used to alarm and lead the people in any quarter into violence and secession there is sometimes an eminence of character on which society has such peculiar claims as to control the predilection of the individual for a particular walk of happiness and restrain him to that alone arising from the present and future benedictions of mankind this seems to be your condition and the law imposed on you by providence in forming your character and fashioning the events on which it was to operate and it is to motives like these and not to personal anxieties of mine or others who have no right to call on you for sacrifices that i appeal from your former determination and urge a revisal of it on the ground of change in the aspect of things an incident is related by the historian of the peninsular war illustrative of the personal influence exercised by a great commander over his followers the british army lay at sororan before which salt was advancing prepared to attack in force wellington was absent and his arrival was anxiously looked for suddenly a single horseman was seen riding up the mountain alone it was the duke about to join his troops one of campbell's portuguese battalions first described him and raised a joyful cry then the shrill clamor caught up by the next regiment soon swelled as it ran along the line into that appalling shout which the british soldier is wont to give upon the edge of battle and which no enemy ever heard unmoved suddenly he stopped at a conspicuous point for he desired both armies should know he was there and a double spy who was present pointed out salt who was so near that his features could be distinguished attentively wellington fixed his eyes on that formidable man and as if speaking to himself he said yonder is a great commander but he is cautious and will delay his attack to ascertain the cause of those cheers that will give time for the sixth division to arrive and i shall beat him which he did in some cases personal character acts by a kind of talismanic influence as if certain men were the organs of a sort of supernatural force if i but stamp on the ground in italy said pompey an army will appear at the voice of peter the hermit as described by the historian europe arose and precipitated itself upon asia it was said of the caliph omar that his walking-stick struck more terror into those who saw it 
then another man's sword the very names of some men are like the sound of a trumpet when the douglas lay mortally wounded on the field of otterburn he ordered his name to be shouted still louder than before saying there was a tradition in his family that a dead douglas should win a battle his followers inspired by the sound gathered fresh courage rallied and conquered and thus in the words of the scottish poet the douglas dead his name hath won the field there have been some men whose greatest conquests have been achieved after they themselves were dead never says michelet was caesar more alive more powerful more terrible than when his old and worn-out body his withered corpse lay pierced with blows he appeared then purified redeemed that which he had been despite his many stains the man of humanity never did the great character of william of orange surnamed the silent exercise greater power over his countrymen than after his assassination at delft by the emissary of the jesuits on the very day of his murder the estates of holland resolved to maintain the good cause with god's help to the uttermost without sparing gold or blood and they kept their word character embodied in thought and deed is of the nature of immortality the solitary thought of a great thinker will dwell in the minds of men for centuries until at length it works itself into their daily life and practice it lives on through the ages speaking as a voice from the dead and influencing minds living thousands of years apart thus moses and david and solomon plato and socrates and xenophon seneca and cicero and epictetus still speak to us as from their tombs they still arrest the attention and exercise an influence upon character though their thoughts be conveyed in languages unspoken by them and in their time unknown theodore parker has said that a single man like socrates was worth more to a country than many such states as south carolina that if that state went out of the world to-day she would not have done so much for the world as socrates erasmus so reverenced the character of socrates that he said when he considered his life and doctrines he was inclined to put him in the calendar of saints and to exclaim holy socrates pray for us great workers and great thinkers are the true makers of history which is but continuous humanity influenced by men of character by great leaders kings priests philosophers statesmen and patriots the true aristocracy of man indeed mr carlyle has broadly stated that universal history is at bottom but the history of great men they certainly mark and designate the epochs of national life their influence is active as well as reactive though their mind is in a measure the product of their age the public mind is also to a great extent their creation their individual action identifies the cause the institution they think great thoughts cast them abroad and the thoughts make events thus the early reformers initiated the reformation and with it the liberation of modern thought emerson has said that every institution is to be regarded as but the lengthened shadow of some great man as islamism of mohammed puritanism of calvin jesuitism of loyola quakerism of fox methodism of wesley abolitionism of clarkson great men stamp their mind upon their age and nation as luther did upon modern germany and knox upon scotland and if there be one man more than another that stamped his mind on modern italy it was dante during the long centuries of italian degradation his burning words were as a watch-fire and a beacon to all true men he was the herald of his nation's liberty braving persecution 
exile and death for the love of it he was always the most national of the italian poets the most loved the most read from the time of his death all educated italians had his best passages by heart and the sentiments they enshrined inspired their lives and eventually influenced the history of their nation the italians wrote byron in eighteen twenty one talk dante write dante and think and dream dante at this moment to an excess which would be ridiculous but that he deserves their admiration washington left behind him as one of the greatest treasures of his country the example of a stainless life of a great honest pure and noble character a model for the nation to form themselves by in all time to come and in the case of washington as in so many other great leaders of men his greatness did not so much consist in his intellect his skill and his genius as in his honor his integrity his truthfulness his high and controlling sense of duty in a word in his genuine nobility of character men such as these are the true life-blood of the country to which they belong they elevate and uphold it fortify and ennoble it and shed a glory over it by the example of life and character which they have bequeathed the names and memories of great men says an able writer are the dowry of a nation widowhood overthrow desertion even slavery cannot take away from her this sacred inheritance whenever national life begins to quicken the dead heroes rise in the memory of men and appear to the living to stand by in solemn spectatorship and approval no country can be lost which feels herself overlooked by such glorious witnesses they are the salt of the earth in death as well as in life what they did once their descendants have still and always a right to do after them and their example lives in their country a continual stimulant and encouragement for him who has the soul to adopt it but it is not great men only that have to be taken into account in estimating the qualities of a nation but the character that pervades the great body of the people when washington irving visited abbotsford sir walter scott introduced him to many of his friends and favorites not only among the neighboring farmers but the laboring peasantry i wish to show you said scott some of our really excellent plain scotch people the character of a nation is not to be learnt from its fine folks its fine gentlemen and ladies such you meet everywhere and they are everywhere the same while statesmen philosophers and divines represent the thinking power of society the men who found industries and carve out new careers as well as the common body of working people from whom the national strength and spirit are from time to time recruited must necessarily furnish the vital force and constitute the real backbone of every nation nations have their character to maintain as well as individuals and under constitutional governments where all classes more or less participate in the exercise of political power the national character will necessarily depend more upon the moral qualities of the many than of the few and the same qualities which determine the character of individuals also determine the character of nations unless they are high-minded truthful honest virtuous and courageous they will be held in light esteem by other nations and be without weight in the world to have character they must needs also be reverential disciplined self-controlling and devoted to duty the nation that has no higher god than pleasure or even dollars or calico must needs be in a poor way it were better to revert to homer's gods than be devoted to these for the heathen deities at least imagined human virtues and were something to look up to 
as for institutions however good in themselves they will avail but little in maintaining the standard of national character it is the individual men and the spirit which actuates them that determine the moral standing and stability of nations government in the long run is usually no better than the people governed where the mass is sound in conscience morals and habits the nations will be ruled honestly and nobly but where they are corrupt self-seeking and dishonest in heart bound neither by truth nor by law the rule of rogues and wire-pullers becomes inevitable the only true barrier against the despotism of public opinion whether it be of the many or of the few is enlightened individual freedom and purity of personal character without these there can be no vigorous manhood no true liberty in a nation political rights however broadly framed will not elevate a people individually depraved indeed the more complete a system of popular suffrage and the more perfect its protection the more completely will the real character of a people be reflected as by a mirror in their laws and government political morality can never have any solid existence on a basis of individual immorality even freedom exercised by a debased people would come to be regarded as a nuisance and liberty of the press but a vent for licentiousness and moral abomination nations like individuals derive support and strength from the feeling that they belong to an illustrious race that they are the heirs of their greatness and ought to be the perpetuators of their glory it is of momentous importance that a nation should have a great past to look back upon it steadies the life of the present elevates and upholds it and lightens and lifts it up by the memory of the great deeds the noble sufferings and the valorous achievements of the men of old the life of nations as of men is a great treasury of experiences which wisely used issues in social progress and improvement or misused issues in dreams delusions and failure like men nations are purified and strengthened by trials some of the most glorious chapters in their history are those containing the record of the sufferings by means of which their character has been developed love of liberty and patriotic feeling may have done much but trial and suffering nobly born more than all a great deal of what passes by the name of patriotism in these days consists of the merest bigotry and narrow-mindedness exhibiting itself in national prejudice national conceit and national hatred it does not show itself in deeds but in boastings in howlings gesticulations and shrieking helplessly for help in flying flags and singing songs and in perpetual grinding at long-dead grievances and long-remedied wrongs to be infested by such a patriotism as this is perhaps among the greatest curses that can befall any country but as there is an ignoble so is there a noble patriotism the patriotism that invigorates and elevates a country by noble work that does its duty truthfully and manfully that lives an honest sober and upright life and strives to make the best use of the opportunities for improvement that present themselves on every side and at the same time a patriotism that cherishes the memory and example of the great men of old who by their sufferings in the cause of religion or of freedom have won for themselves a deathless glory and for their nation those privileges of free life and free political institutions of which they are the inheritors and possessors nations are not to be judged by their size any more than individuals it is not growing like a tree in bulk doth make man better be for a nation to be great it need not necessarily be large though size is often confounded with greatness 
a nation may be very large in point of territory and population and yet be devoid of true greatness the people of israel were a small people yet what a great life they developed and how powerful the influence they have exercised on the destinies of mankind greece was not big the entire population of attica was less than that of illinois athens was less populous than new york and yet how great it was in art in literature in philosophy and in patriotism a public orator lately spoke with contempt of the battle of marathon because only one hundred and ninety-two men perished on the side of the athenians whereas by improved mechanism and destructive chemicals some fifty thousand men or more may now be destroyed within a few hours yet the battle of marathon and the heroism displayed in it will probably continue to be remembered when the gigantic butcheries of modern times have been forgotten but it was the fatal weakness of athens that its citizens had no true family or home life while its freemen were greatly outnumbered by its slaves its public men were loose if not corrupt in morals its women even the most accomplished were unchaste hence its fall became inevitable and was even more sudden than its rise in like manner the decline and fall of rome was attributable to the general corruption of its people and to their engrossing love of pleasure and idleness work in the latter days of rome being regarded only as fit for slaves its citizens ceased to pride themselves on the virtues of character of their great forefathers and the empire fell because it did not deserve to live and so the nations that are idle and luxurious that will rather lose a pound of blood as old burton says in a single combat than a drop of sweat in any honest labor must inevitably die out and laborious energetic nations take their place when louis the fourteenth asked colbert how it was that ruling so great and populous a country as france he had been unable to conquer so small a country as holland the minister replied because sire the greatness of a country does not depend upon the extent of its territory but on the character of its people it is because of the industry the frugality and the energy of the dutch that your majesty has found them so difficult to overcome it is also related of spinola and richardet the ambassadors sent by the king of spain to negotiate a treaty at the hague in sixteen o eight that one day they saw some eight or ten persons land from a little boat and sitting down upon the grass proceed to make a meal of bread and cheese and beer who are those travellers asked the ambassadors of a peasant these are our worshipful masters the deputies from the states was his reply spinola at once whispered to his companion we must make peace these are not men to be conquered in fine stability of institutions must depend upon stability of character any number of depraved units cannot form a great nation the people may seem to be highly civilized and yet be ready to fall to pieces at the first touch of adversity without integrity of individual character they can have no real strength cohesion or soundness they may be rich polite and artistic and yet hovering on the brink of ruin if living for themselves only and with no end but pleasure each little self his own little god such a nation is doomed and its decay is inevitable where national character ceases to be upheld a nation may be regarded as next to lost where it ceases to esteem and to practice the virtues of truthfulness honesty integrity and justice it does not deserve to live and when the time arrives in any country where wealth has so corrupted or pleasure so depraved or faction so infatuated the people that honor order obedience virtue and loyalty have seemingly become things of the past then amidst the darkness 
when honest men if haply there be such left are groping about and feeling for each other's hands their only remaining hope will be in the restoration and elevation of individual character for by that alone can a nation be saved and if character be irrevocably lost then indeed there will be nothing left worth saving end of chapter three influence of character read by john greenman